Welcome to the five things this week in social. We're the Webby award-winning podcast that will go wherever, whenever, to make sure that you know all there is to know about the world of social. If you're a marketer, an advertiser, or a creator, then stay right here with us. Today on the pod, we are giving you something special. We are going to recap the recent Social Media Week event that was held at the TWA Hotel at JFK Airport in New York. Two of our Five Things friends were there to give you five key takeaways from Social Media Week 2023. Our friend Kylie McDonald is here, and we have a new contributor to the show, an influencer manager and strategist, Shailene Radinsky. Hello, Kylie. Hello, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Who was your favorite speaker at the event? Ooh, favorite speaker. I would say there was a duo on stage. I believe it was the CMO of EOS, like the shaving cream, and then also a member of the social media team from the NBA. And they did like a duo panel for one of them that I found just really fun the whole time because they talked about two really great social campaigns and they seemed very distinct and separate. But towards the end of the panel, you really saw the cross connections that were made. So I would say that was my favorite one. That's amazing. And hello, Shailene. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Did you hear anybody speak that maybe you like fangirled over at the event? Yeah, definitely. Claudia Oshry of Girl With No Job. I've been following her forever. And to hear her speak as more of on the creative business side of things versus just her normal pop culture personality stuff was really interesting. And just, you know, seeing where she comes from, she's such a multi-talented creator and and businesswoman. It was really great to hear from her. Fantastic. Well, I'm Joey Scarillo. And while I've never been to Social Media Week, I wanted to live vicariously through the two of you. Okay, here are the five things we're going to get into today. First up, how brands should involve creators. Number two, being ready to shift social strategies quickly. Number three, brands and creators using genuine authenticity. Number four, understanding that creators and influencers are growing with their versatility. And number five, the difference between influencers versus creators. All very important stuff, and I can't wait to talk about it. Kylie, why don't you kick us off with how brands should involve creators at the beginning of the process? Yeah, so this is a theme that came up in at least three or four of the panels that I attended across the multiple days, both from creators themselves that were on the panels, and then also brands and brand teams that were on the panels were both agreeing that Creators need to be involved from the get-go of these, not to say the word creative again, but creative process. There were multiple examples where brands that looped in a creator and had those one-on-one calls, once they got this client brief and had those check-in points of like, are you okay with this process? Are you okay with these builds that we're trying to make on your initial draft of video or initial idea? Like, is this okay with you? Is this okay with us? Just having that very mutual relationship with creatives from the beginning of the process rather than just dropping in a brief on them at the very end of it and then expecting a perfect result. That was just the feedback we were hearing throughout the panels. And yeah, I mean, we fully agree with that between me and Shailene, but I'll let Shailene also speak on that point. Yeah, coming from an influencer standpoint, it's really hard to integrate 
influencer and a lot of those creative strategies later on in a process, a campaign process, so to speak. So it's really important to to make sure that those are baked in very early on in the process because there's been a few times that I think Kylie and I both have, have worked with some brands where they have a full campaign set up and then want to try to work influencers into it at the very end. And it's important to note that that kind of stuff needs to be worked in the very beginning because it's easier to create a strategy around influencers that we think would fit a campaign versus trying to find very niche influencers for a very specific campaign if it hasn't been baked in before. So my background is in project management. So I feel like I have to ask this question, but when we're talking about actual timing, is there like a number of weeks or months? I know things move quickly, but like, what are we talking about in terms of timing? I would say that for influencers specifically, they can work as quickly as you'd like them to, given that they want to work on that project and they're really passionate about it. Ideally, they do have maybe a month and a half, two month turnaround time to be able to, you know, just get the logistics of contracting, briefing, creating the content, leaving room for edits and things like that. But, you know, the process should be, it should start right when we, you know, the project management team starts thinking about what that campaign or what that project is going to look like. Yeah, that's great. So the influencers are erring on the side of speed, knowing that brands are moving quickly. That's great. Good advice. All right, let's move on to our second thing today about brands that need to be ready and able to shift their social strategies quickly as new things, platforms, trends, as we talk about a lot on the show, as they emerge, how people are going to adapt. Shailene, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so I think we all saw in 2020 how brands probably had a really great social strategy in place for that year and COVID throws a wrench in a lot of that. So being able to shift and being able to be good with change and brands understanding that social media is a very ever-changing landscape and there's always new trends, there's new social platforms that emerge that brands need to get on. People need to build social strategies that are open to being adaptable and very easy to change. And I know Kylie has worked on some brands that have some quick change, so I'll let her talk to that as well. Yeah, from my own experience, but also I already mentioned this panel as being my favorite, but the NBA social team really spoke about the NBA playoffs last year and how they had this whole set in stone campaign ready to launch the NBA playoffs and when they would start speaking up more and more and when that would grow and like the cadence would get quicker and quicker. But at no point did they had all these different props around the NBA playoffs that they hadn't really integrated into the strategy necessarily, but they were there and they were catching fans attention and specifically the NBA ball that was bedazzled, like became this huge deal on social media that then shifted their whole strategy towards the end of the playoffs, which I found interesting. And like, that is the perfect example of this whole other campaign was set up around the NBA playoffs and then it all had to adjust to this one viral moment that happened during the playoffs around a very seemingly minuscule thing, but resonated with the fans. And then the NBA team was able to adjust to that and listen to their fans. So I just found that to be a great takeaway from that panel that is on par for this theme. (laughs) Shailene, what else do you have on that one? So something that we know, especially through TikTok, is how a lot of the time brands, the product that they think they should be pushing out. It's not the product that goes viral on TikTok. So being able to shift those strategies quickly and being able to support what's popular and what the general consumer public is really gravitating towards, I think is super important. I worked on a health brand a few years back where the focus for that year was going to be sunscreen and then COVID hit and they started mass producing 
hand sanitizer and started pushing that out. And we shifted our entire social strategy to focus on that and how staying clean and, and developed a, a hand soap and, and things like that from there. So it's it's really important to also see what your consumers are paying attention to, to, to be able to shift. Now, when those conversations happen, like that shift that you're describing, is that usually something that everybody sort of sees together or is there one person who says, okay, we have to make this this switch. And does that come from the client side or usually from the agency side? In my experience, it's come from the agency side since we do usually have a community manager on our team that's monitoring those kinds of conversations happening on social. But I would say if it's a big enough shift that they're seeing with their audience, it's something that the brand is definitely interested in. Sometimes you do have to make a little bit of a case for it for your client or your brand to, to really understand it. But I would say most of the time it comes from the agency side. If it's coming from the brand side. It's usually something that they can see internally that we can't, maybe sales or things like that. But anything on the social side would come from the agency. Yeah, that's really awesome. All right. Well, let's move on to our third takeaway today. Kylie, tell us about brands and creators creating genuine authenticity. We talk a lot about this word. And so what was said about authenticity at Social Media Week? Authenticity was definitely a buzzword of the panels, to say the least. Throughout this panel set, there was a lot of talk about creators only choosing brands that align with their values. And that is growing significantly, I would say. And you can even see it in the posts across TikTok and Instagram when a creator is fully bought into the idea and like it is seamless within their content. So you see it in the creative and you see it in the process. It goes a lot smoother when like a brand approaches a creator and already has those values lined up. And that increases the, you know, likability and viability of the partnership for sure. But yeah, it's mostly just about that creator and brand ask from the upfront. Shailene, what's your experience with this? So actually listening to Claudia Oshry, Girl With No Jobs panel, she was speaking about how authenticity is super important to her and to her work. And it's also super important for brands to listen to some of these creators because she was talking on her podcast and just on her socials generally about how she's experiencing some hair loss. And she was approached by a few different brands that have products that can help with that. And she felt like it was a very natural and authentic partnership that ended up working out really well because that's not something that she would have ever worked with before. And if she had gone on her podcast and started doing advertisements for for hair loss supplements, her audience would have been a little bit confused. So also taking that into account, just, you know, brands paying attention to creators and what they're talking about organically. What do you think, Kylie, are some of the watchouts for brands who maybe don't get it right when it comes to authentic interaction with uh, creators and influencers? For sure. I would say some of the watchouts are going back to like best practices of just a paid relationship with a creator. You don't want it to feel like an ad. There was literally a creator that stood up in the panel and said, just be cool, guys. Like, and that was the main takeaway from the panel because sometimes these asks are so promotional and like there's a one page brief and that's all you're getting from the brand. Um, and it's hard to activate on that in an authentic way. Um, there was even one creator who was talking about and he had set up a bunch of scholarship funds and that is part of his educational content that he posts on TikTok. And he was talking about a brand that approached him without any explanation of who the brand is, who the background is, and what those brand values are that would make him want to agree to the partnership. And he said he told them no. 
because of the fact that he wanted to make sure that the brand also cared about those multicultural background scholars and the people that they would be impacting. So going back to your question of what is a call out, I would just say making sure that those brand values are aligned with your creator from the ask, from the one pager, and making sure that it doesn't feel like an ad. It feels like part of the seamless content of that creator that they're already producing. Yeah, not feeling like an ad. That's a good goal to aspire to, I would say. All right, let's get into our fourth takeaway. Let's talk about a little bit more about influencers versus creators. What's the difference? Why is it important to understand the difference? Shailene, why don't you explain it for us? Yeah, so in the simplest words, influencers influence you to buy things, influence you to go to a certain place and content creators create content. But it's a little bit more of a complex breakdown. So an influencer is someone that you might follow who shares their day-to-day life. They post what they're eating, where they're where they're working out, what they're wearing, what kind of makeup or skincare, what kind of products they're buying and things like that. But a content creator is a little bit more of a I would say almost entrepreneur. A good example of a content creator versus an influencer is Claudia Oshry, girl with no job, who has a book business. She has an alcohol business. She has a podcast. She is also an influencer, but in a different kind of space. So it's important to differentiate when you are creating a campaign. What is your goal? Do you want to sell product? Use an influencer. Do you want to create something that's going to last for a very long time on social? Use a content creator. So it's important to know what the difference is between the two and how you're going to use them. Both are valuable to any kind of work that you're doing, but yeah. Kylie, would you say that the real takeaway from what Shailene is explaining is that our clients and the people that we work with at the agency need to understand that those two words are not interchangeable? Yes and no, just because in the space they are interchangeable, but always rely on what influencers and creators are calling themselves and make sure you're in the know on that and reflect that back to them because you get it wrong. It could ruffle some feathers there because the creators, the distinguishing themselves as creators, that is a big deal. And that is a very large difference of they have this suite of content, products, services, whereas influencers are really just leveraging their brand, their name, their likeness, all of the above. So while yes, we should be getting them right for sure, as brands, I'm not super sure that using them interchangeably is always a bad thing because there is some gray area. Yeah. Shailene, is there any other detail you'd want to give on that? Yeah. Like Kylie said, just really focusing on what those influencers or creators are calling themselves. I would say in the past two years or so, there's been a really big kind of shift in influencers building a brand for themselves and creating longevity in the space just because things on TikTok and things on Instagram, they go so quickly and you can have a very quick rise to fame and have a very quick fall as well. So building that longevity for people that we might just consider influencers because they are sharing that day-to-day life, we might not know what's going on behind the scenes. So really being sure to pay attention to what they dress themselves as if they have a preference and Yeah, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to call somebody an influencer if they're a creator or a creator if they're an influencer. I think that's like step one, get the person's title right, right? All right, Kylie, let's get into our fifth and final thing, understanding that creators and influencers are growing their versatility. This sounds like a really big topic and one that I think we should continue as we talk about influencers and creators and the difference and the similarities. But why don't you uh, break this down for us? Yeah, so this is a really fun one, I would say, just because we're thinking a little bit more 
about the future on social and what the shifts could be and how we can approach them. So this is just speaking to how creators and influencers may have a certain space or niche interests that they focus on, that they're an expert in, but sometimes they're wanting to break out of that. And a lot of times brands are the ones that are keeping them closed in because they're using them over and over again in those familiar spaces, familiar topics. So a great example was there was a creator panelist that was talking about how she had worked for Hinge, had worked for Adobe, but was really trying to branch out and get into nonprofit content and educational content. But that was very hard for years because she had been an influencer within creative design and design practices. So it was very hard to break out of that. But once she found a brand, which ended up being Adobe again, that said, look, this is totally fine if we want to branch out into more nonprofit social causes that you care about. Let's just do it in an authentic way where you can like leverage your talents that you've already used in your previous content. So Adobe was basically the catalyst in that situation of saying, it's actually okay to step out of that topic and into a new area on TikTok, which I thought was really cool. It's kind of hard to make that jump sometimes. Another side of this is kind of speaking to the content trends on these platforms and how to break out of those. So there was a whole panel on the infamous 10-minute TikTok that Hilton put on, and they were talking about how their first creator that they brought on, I believe, was Bowman. And he was saying what seemed like a really edgy brief because of the fact that it was a 10-minute long TikTok and that that kind of goes against the short-form video best practices, quote-unquote, of TikTok, that most creators weren't willing to do that. But when Bowman saw this brief, he immediately was like, oh, absolutely, because I am the person that watches part one, two, and three of long-form TikTok content. So it really speaks to how like he himself does short-form content on the app, but was able to break out of that type of content because a brand approached him with this 10-minute long TikTok ask and didn't really stay within the lines of, okay, TikTok is short form, that's it, or stay within a topic of lifestyle content that he's used to. So I'll also let Shailene speak to that a little bit more, but I love this one so much. Yeah. So one of the panelist speakers was Busy Phillips, who's an actress, and she was talking about how she had been really wanting to kind of break out of just the actress space. And she wanted to do something a little bit more impactful and kind of direct more directed towards her audience. So she ended up founding her own podcast with one of her friends and they talk about anything and everything. It really depends on who they have as a guest, but she felt like she couldn't do that in the space that she was in before because a lot of the brands that she had partnerships with and were just known for were not allowing her to get out of just that specific actress space. So it was interesting to listen to that as well, coming from more of a, a more well-known celebrity versus maybe, you know, someone with like 400,000 followers. Yeah, that's really interesting. So if versatility is kind of the name of the game, what would you suggest to marketers who might want to partner with somebody but not think that they're the right fit for the box that they, that the brand puts themselves in? I think that sometimes... We on the agency side have to make a strong case for why we think that an influencer is good for a certain project or why we think something should be posted on social. You know, just making a case for why that should be. And we know the game. We know how it works. We see things like this happen all the time. I mean, I think it just comes down to like these creators and influencers are the experts on their own audiences. And so 
if they say they're ready to break out of something and they trust that their audience is going to follow them and celebrate them as a fan, like that's proof already if they're agreeing to one of these brand apps. But based on your question of like, how should brands approach that if they're a little wary? I think that's another place where it's like, you have to make that strong case and it is a tough job. Like that is our jobs. And they talked about it in the Hilton case again, where it's like, that was a tough ass to sell someone on, but they finally found a creator, not in the public eye was like outwardly saying, oh, I watch long form content, plain and simple, but they took that risk still and asked him and it rewarded them. So I don't think sometimes there is proof enough to like jump on an idea like that, but that doesn't mean you don't jump on it. Yeah, Shailene, any final thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think to what Kylie was saying, you know, taking that risk and hoping that influencers jump onto that. But I think also paying attention to what the general public is responding to on social platforms. And if there's a creator that maybe we wouldn't normally think would be good for a campaign like this, but, you know, audiences are really responding to whoever that influencer or creator is and really I think that if brands pay attention to who the general public is really kind of gravitating towards on social, that it really pays off in the long run because they they know how to speak to their audience. Like Kylie said, they know their audience better than anyone else. And if they can, they, if they have the freedom to market it the way that they think would respond well, then that's always a win-win for the influencer and for the brand. Yeah, excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for your breakdown and analysis of the 2023 Social Media Week. Any final thoughts on the event? Would you participate again next year? I think I definitely would. Like, I I heard about some really fun stuff that's coming up in the next coming months. I heard about a lot of stuff with NIL and creators participating in NFL commentary in the coming months, which I'm super stoked for. And I wouldn't have been ready for that if I hadn't attended these panels. So I think it was definitely fruitful and really fun experience. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely attend again. I think it was super informative and it was a great chance to hear how some people pretty high up in the social media world think and how their brands are working and just how they're integrating as much social and creative people into their teams to really get things moving, if that makes sense. But it was super interesting and would absolutely go again. Amazing. Well, this was wonderful. And it was so great that we got a little chance to focus on the business of social and the behind the scenes of how it works with influencers and creators and brands and agencies. That does it for us today, friends. If you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, review us, like us, or write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, or complaints. Or you could just send us a thing that you want us to discuss and you can do all of that by emailing us at podcasts at gray.com. Of course, I want to thank Shailene and Kylie. Shailene, come back again. Let's make it a thing. And as always, thanks to Samantha Geller and Amanda Fuentes and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. Speaking of creators, on the most recent episode of Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas, we welcome Dr. Zach Thomas, the YouTube creator behind the channel Foot. Dr. Zach, a channel dedicated to the latest performance in shoe technology. Zach, who is a real foot doctor, has been dissecting sneakers to match the best athletes with the best shoes for their feet. You'll hear Zach's story of how he decided to study feet, the advice he received when building a business, and how he reached over 100,000 subscribers. A huge feat for any creator on the platform, no pun intended. 
Check out Zach's story or any of our past episodes of Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas anywhere you listen to this podcast. And as a special treat, we will have even more special episodes coming up throughout the month of June. So stick around and listen week to week as we flex the definition of social throughout the next month. That does it for us. Thank you, listeners. And please, as always, be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Samantha Geller. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Amanda Fuentes and Guy Rosemarin, with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde and Adrian Hopkins. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.